No matter who you are, where you are, or what you celebrate, it's only one thing I have to say this holiday season. Hen... Shin... Hello and welcome to Comrade Rider with me. This is our holiday theme, the uh, first Christmas 1971 Comrade Rider episode. And I'm your host, Kip. And with me is once again, Brett. Hey, Brett. Hello. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I loved our uh, revise episode. So this time you're back to uh, go a little bit older. Exactly 50 years older to the first Comrade Rider, actually, which is like a fun little part there but yeah yeah have you been Brett yeah it was definitely dramatically different <laughs> yeah. um I for anyone who hasn't listened to the first episode um I actually had never previously heard of tokusatsu and uh Kamen Rider Revised was the first time I'd ever watched or heard of Kamen Rider period and so I have only seen uh part of Kamen Rider Revised and now this episode from the original series in the whole genre of tokusatsu. Yeah, uh, that's the funnest part about the show, honestly. Like, I definitely am, like, limited on stuff. Like, this is the third episode I've seen of, like, the original Like I'm Murder show. But, like, it's, like, always fun to be like, oh, like, let's have someone on or back on. Like, does it uh, watch this stuff, talk about it, and then edit it every week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I, I also have a podcast that I that I edit called Beyond Buds, and it's about cannabis, uh, which is I, I've been working in the legal cannabis industry for a couple of years now. And I'm also born and raised in California. So it's kind of funny because sometimes I talk to people about it and then they're like, hmm, are hemp and marijuana the same plant? And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to start at 101. I always forget. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, that's like a really fun thing about like being a specialist in like something a little bit where you're like oh you also like you run into how bad sometimes people are at like enjoying something and talking about it where you're like oh just like being a little nice and like simple with people is like all they need sometimes to like be on your level about mm-hmm. something it's like oh yeah like this is true or this is not true and like uh it's very easy not to gatekeep something but sometimes it's very hard for some people <laughs> Yeah, I guess I I have the advantage um, as, um, you know, compared to like maybe someone who's an expert in engineering or something like that, because um, in in my line of work, it is really uncool and unchill to be um, like a weenie about people not knowing about weed. Mm -hmm. Like the point of weed is, you know, not I mean, I I just no no one's a dick. It's nice. It's like if someone doesn't know, it's understandable because there's so much misinformation. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's been going around purposely and also by accident. And there's things that we all know and things that we all don't know. And we're all still learning. And yeah. And I think too, like something people have gotten better about is like um, in certain subjects like marijuana, like a lot of the depth that is important is more of like a vertical depth and like a sociological depth. It's like, Mm. Oh, my understanding of different communities and different like histories 
doesn't actually have to factor into this conversation the way it might in something like engineering, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's so many like layers to it. Like um, something that I thought was fascinating that I was looking into a couple of years ago is, okay, so you know, like uh, you've heard of the strain Hindu Kush, right? Yeah. Okay, so it comes from the Hindu Kush mountains because um, marijuana is marijuana uh, is also native to Asia. And so there is this sect of Islam. Um, oh my God. And I'm forgetting their name. There's a Q in it, but I know that doesn't narrow it down like as much as it mm -hmm. might in a different religion. Um, and I want to say they're a sect, excuse me, sect of, of, uh, off of Shia Islam, but I could be wrong. Um, and they're only in Pakistan and there's these, they're these guys and um, I think they're mostly men for some reason. And they all dress in black and they're like, they're like crust punks. Mm, okay. Actually. Interesting. They're a lot like crust punks. <laughs> um, and they do things that are stigmatized in society on purpose so that they can be societal outcasts so that they can get closer to God. And that includes smoking weed. Okay. Oh, huh. uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I wish I could remember their name, but I thought it was fascinating. There's not, there wasn't like a lot of information I could, I could find on it at the time, at least not in English, but, um, but like crazy, right? Yeah. Like so, so fascinating. That was really cool. Um, I just, um, I'm definitely like a nerd for like, oh, I could know something that like probably doesn't matter to like most people, but like, it's like, oh, I can like connect things. It's like the whole like, oh, learning's fun <laughs> when you do it. Of your own volition. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, um, I do want to say, though, um, for these holiday episodes, it's not holiday for everyone. But uh, what holidays do you celebrate? Yeah. So um, so my family's Catholic and I celebrate, um, you know, Christmas, um, um, you know, St. Patrick's Day a little bit because we're also Irish um, ish Irish ish. Um, uh, if any actual Irish people are listening, I don't want them to get mad. Um, <laughs> um, gosh, uh, Easter, um, you know, uh, Gregorian New Year's, the, the usual ones. Um, although my partner is Muslim, um, so I'm, well, he actually doesn't, he's actually in a, in a sect that doesn't even celebrate, celebrate the big Muslim holidays either. So that's also complicated, but I won't get into that. What about you? Yeah. Um, so I'm like very non-religious, but also it's like, I grew up with certain holidays. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to celebrate like Christmas. Like, even if it's like not a religious, like occasion for me, um, my partner's like pagan. So it's also like that crossover there. And like, I like. Oh, they have some fun holidays. Yeah. Um. I. They tend to kind of match what I want to be at a holiday either way. So it's like fine. Normally, it's like oh, like you made this cool pasta because it's like a like special day. Cool. I kind of know enough. They have some yeah fun holiday food. Oh, I wish I knew more about that. Yeah. Um. I. How did your partner get into that? She was born. Um. With family that so. <laughs> I don't want to super. Uh. She had some family who was like into like certain parts of like Wiccanism, including like one family member who was like very much like that crust punk way. So I'm like, I'm going to intentionally make myself a little um, off putting 
by like talking about like curses and like certain kinds of things and like just like mm-hmm. but she's like much more of like a oh um I enjoy like certain kinds of like prayer and like ritual and that kind of stuff and like like a she's also very um much on the train of it's a normal holiday it's like oh let's get some eggs because why not it's fun to hide them like it's not really like a thing though you know yeah i mean i'm not myself religious mm-hmm. um i do go to Unita- unitarian church sometimes but you don't actually have to believe in anything to go there hmm. so it's like uh it's mostly like culturally jewish pagan people and agnostic former christians who are like maybe i'm still christian maybe i'm not i don't know yeah um that's another thing where like uh like learning religion's one of those things where like once you have it in a setting where you have some freedom to just like think you're like oh actually my opinions that might have been negative on this as a concept were wrong this is cool (laughs) yeah yeah like uh i don't know when i was growing up and you know i felt kind of forced into religion and i'm sure i was uh i'm sure i was extremely euphoric and edgy about all sorts of uh different fun things that i you know now realize are, are fun now that i don't have to do them yeah, like I'm definitely like for me, like, I was like, oh, I'm so glad this is like a meaningful thing for you. Like, I'm glad that people are like having like, a good time. Like, it's like maybe sounds a little like too much like a cool uncle like view. But I was like, oh, cool. I'm glad that you're enjoying your. And then like I like I like read slowly like Judaism. Well, good job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's a great outlook on life. I, I you know, I, I guess like I. I saw that the sense of community was important, but I didn't really realize like how much of, you know, like I didn't realize how important community is for people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just as like human animals until um, I like had a rough patch in my life and I ended up accidentally joining a cult, which when you live in the greater LA area is easier to do than it sounds. Okay. Um, Yeah. That (laughs) tracks for me. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's like basically I was in like a really dark place and then my one of my friends called, one of my old uh, best oldest friends called and was like, Bridget, like I've been going to this wellness seminar and I just think you should go. Like, I think it's really going to improve your life. Like, I heard you've been having a hard time and I just want to help. And I was like, I've got nothing else going on in my life. Let's go see what that's about. And um, got really into it. And um, then... One day, um, I was one day someone asked me how many souls I was willing to commit to the cause, and I was like, Oh, we weren't joking about being a cult, we were being a cult, so I'm outie. Um, but that's when I joined the the Unitarian Church because I was like, Look, I clearly have a need that I'm not meeting, so I'm gonna find a way to meet it in a healthy environment. Yeah, no, um, that's very much a very real thing, and like, uh, like, thanks. Like sharing, like I definitely had. Oh, I mean, yeah. it it never really got that dark, so I think it's just kind of a funny story. But please go on. I'm still every day trying, but I I definitely like made a concerted effort at one point. When I was like, hey, I need to just be. I realized in high school and college, I was homeless. I uh, did not have mm. housing or food security. And I just was like, also like, okay, I'm not going to have a relationship with my, my blood relatives. I still need to be, Mm. I still like have happiness and good relationships with people and like 
that kind of thing. It's like there's some point like in your life, I think, where you see these things that have been like these um, shadow versions that have been like presented to you and that you've rejected. They're like, oh, this is actually a real thing, huh? Like to be mm-hmm. nice or to have some sense of community that's not toxic or like some sense of family. I think that's like a very important thing too of like the holiday season like i'm always like oh how do i like let people know that i value them when like i've definitely like had to relearn that in the past like five ten years like how do you show value in a meaningful way you know yeah um i mean this i i guess like what i've found that's the most helpful with that is reading the the five love languages which um it's not just about love it's also about like i think And it just kind of tells you about how, you know, people will feel uh, affection. It it, like it showing someone affection doesn't necessarily make them feel affection. And that's because some people speak different love languages and it's useful to know that and kind of know what some different types are, um, because that way you can kind of observe what you can kind of try to figure out what the person who you're trying to Mm -hmm. show love to. um, I'm not putting this very well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Growing up's kind of lame because it's all about like, oh, how can I be mature and like nice to people and like find ways to let them know and meet people. But that's also like the crux of being human, I think, is being like, oh, wow, I need to like find ways to like expand my roots and like connect with people. And that's like a hard thing. That's a vulnerable thing. That's a thing that as a society, uh, we're not very good at expressing in the ways that people need to kind of have that journey. Yeah. I mean, it's complicated. I guess I have the, I've had the opposite um, sort of journey as an adult where I realized that what was important to, for me was to, to try and learn how to put up boundaries uh, or have them or define them. Um, That's fair. So that, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, those are, those are two very different things, but I think a lot of people will, will relate to each of those. I think what, what you had to do is, is maybe more common, but I also knew, know a lot of people who had to do what I had to do too. So I, I think it's pretty relatable. Yeah. Um, and like something else like important and very relatable too is werewolves. Yes. <laughs> Um, very, oh, oh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> okay, uh, that's great. <laughs> very relatable. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> and yeah, uh, so today we're talking about episode 39 of the original Common Rider, Monster Wolfman's Huge Murder Party, which you might be saying, is this a Christmas episode? Like a holiday episode? And I really... But without watching it, you do have to check a couple times to figure that out. I will say. Mm. Uh, But this is also like actually available with good subtitles on like Tubi and like Pluto and stuff. So it's like a that's cool as a fan of like Tosatsu like two or three years ago. um, Maybe it has to do with when we started the show. I don't know. But um, this stuff like started to be available streaming and that's still like always wild to me to be like, oh, this is like you could watch this without like going places and finding things. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually about the subtitles. So, um, 
I thought that they definitely were great throughout the episode, but in the intro, it is super hard to read them because there's so much action and they also move really fast um, and they're kind of long. So even though I am um, a pretty fast reader, I actually had trouble reading everything in the intro. That's fair, too, because they're like going hard into like lyrics and like the backstory of stuff. So there's a lot to see there in the intro. Yeah, it just kind of passed me by. I was like, oh, no, I hope that wasn't important. Yeah. Uh, so the original Kamen Rider is such an interesting show to look at because this is like the original idea. This is, oh, like common means mass, like writer means writer. This is a person who like wears a mask and like is transient and like does stuff and goes around and like is like also. How do you feel about Nazis and the KKK and Nazi imagery and like all this stuff? Yeah, I was surprised by that and very confused. Um, yeah, because Common Rider Revice, which is my, again, my my only context for this show, is just basically a, a video game mm-hmm. with, like, family interpersonal stories. It's a lot more subtle in modern Common Rider, some of the stuff they're doing, I think. Um, they definitely, like, are like, oh, yeah, we're talking about, like, this part of being human and this, like, character anxiety they're like the villain is jealousy yeah (laughs) Uh, but here the villain is like the literal kkk and they're wearing nazi uniforms underneath their hoods so (laughs) in the general channel i posted the uh logo for shocker oh yeah okay so when so the the eagle logo on the earth when the eagle came up in the show i was like hold up is that the racist eagle um yes and i was like no no way and then they were all wearing kkk hoods and i realized that it was they weren't fucking around back when they started cover they're like yeah this is a show for kids but also like it's a new japanese superhero like like a lot like how like superman started by fighting like anti-union like dudes like it's like oh let's start this out real let's have some real villains not Brainiac. See, in my mind, I was thinking it was like, hey, remember that time we allied with the Nazis? Don't you ever think about doing that shit again or so help me God. Yeah. For me, like, it has to be that look at Japan this time. Like, they're like, oh, we need a cool superhero who's fighting things. It's like, oh, like, there aren't that many, like, the characters like Batman, like James Bond, aren't Japanese. So what they need is this, like, character who's like fighting those villains, but also is like strictly Japanese because I was like the um, first writer is like a genius physicist. And like, he's also like a world class, like motorcycle racer. And like, he's like this, like dude is like 21 years old. And like, yeah, like I'm like a genius and I'm really good at like racing. How does he find the time? You know, really? Um, I don't know if this guy's also a genius he's technically the second the second common writer episode 12 the actor playing the first one gets in an accident because he's also doing the stunts so he comes back the next episode Mm. and they team up and there's two of them but this is the last episode of the second dude who i don't know if he's also Mm. a genius he's a pro soccer player apparently so there you go yes okay so i didn't know that we don't actually learn really anything about him in this show other than that he likes spending time at what are either boarding schools or orphanages <laughs> i had that note and too telling 
Okay, yeah, I was like, why do the children sleep here? Like, is this normal? <laughs> like, um, so he just hangs out with children and, um, you know, pretty school teachers. And he's like, I'm pretty sure this common rider guy is going to come to Christmas. And they're like, don't disappoint the children by promising something that you can't be sure of. And he's like, I'm pretty sure I can do it. Wink, wink. Yeah, so... The fr- the first Common Riders, like in most of these series in the 70s and 80s, the basic structure is there's an Illuminati Nazi group. They tr- try mm. to make the Common Rider. They escape to brainwashing. They wander. Maybe they have like a friend of the FBI or something. And like. a Oh, the FBI is partnered with Shocker. No, the FBI is his friend with the big eyebrows. Oh, Okay, I'm sorry. I really did not uh, understand the plot of this episode at all, to tell you the truth. Yeah, that's fair. And, like, the only, like, through line is that um, they got motorcycles, they transform with belts, and also that dude with a pipe, the older dude, he is their Mm -hmm. dad. (laughs) He, like, takes them in and is like, hello, my name's, like, Toei Tachibata, and I own a motorcycle club. I made you this motorcycle because I met you and you were lost. (laughs) Here you go. Go fight evil. So it's just like a series of MacGuffins? It's a series of here's this other like Illuminati that's making cyborgs. Okay. Fair enough. Um that's what the show is like, oh, we're fighting these random plots. Like um me and my partner like went through and was like, oh, let's like read all the names. It was stuff like Murder Road, Praying Mantis, like Mantis Monger kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, like the battle at the mountain, that kind of stuff. Like It's like all like we're going to destroy Japan. But then come Rider has that plot foiled, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty fun. And I got to say, the action sequences actually look great. I mean, the special effects are, are hilarious, but um, the action sequences themselves are actually pretty impressive. I personally... um have a soft spot in my heart for whatever there's just clearly a like scarecrow being thrown down onto some like <laughs> explosives and that's how they do it effect <laughs> this episode had such a good one <laughs> just like legs flopping <laughs> he like completely bends at the middle <laughs> like yeah <laughs> I also love the helicopter crash Oh my god, the helicopter slap fight. Oh my god, my favorite scene. Oh, hands down. But uh so I do think too that like one solid thing is that they just like put a camera on some people and have them fight. And like that's way better than most fight scenes that we see in a lot of media where it's like, oh, they just have to like choreograph a scene that's like 15 seconds long, like two or three times. Mm. That yeah. That's gonna look good. Yeah, the first person, I remember we talked about this with Revice. Um, I really liked that so much of the fight scenes would, would randomly switch to first person. Mm-hmm. And um, I, didn't, I didn't notice that in this episode, though. Yeah, um, let's try and parse th- this plot, though, because it starts oh, okay. with two salarymen. <laughs> they're drunk and they need to pee. It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, they're yes. Christmas Eve. Um, and one of the drunk guys is like, I don't care about Christmas or something. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. And then um, a werewolf shows up or his friend 
becomes does Fred become one or does one show yeah. up? I forget. His friend becomes one. So he's like, uh, I can't remember his friend's name, but he's like, dude, dude, what's up? And he sees his friend and his friend like looks dead, but then he clenches his jaw. And I don't know if he was supposed to do that or not. So I was like, oh, is he dead or not? Like, is that bad acting or is he supposed to be alive? And then he turns into a werewolf. So I'm still not sure. Um, And then some evil people show up and they're like, aha. What do you think of the um the midway like makeup for the werewolf? Um, I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, the costumes are still pretty goofy even now. So I I mean, I didn't think it was it wasn't as out of place as like some of the other stuff. What is friends like changing? Uh, or though? not as out of place. It's very in place. What? What is friends like like turning into the werewolf? There's this like partway scene where he's just covered oh. in makeup and like big teeth. That's right. That was really funny. I was actually watching this with a friend of mine, and we uh, both turned to each other and laughed our asses off. <laughs> he's like, he's just like a purple guy, and then all of a sudden, he's a wolf. And he bites his like friend on the neck, which I was like a little weird. I was like, oh, okay. But then he dies, and this curdle shows up, and he's just like, oh, there we go. Oh, his costume's so good. Yeah, he's got like an eye patch. He's like a, a he's sort of like halfway between a pirate and halfway between Napoleon. Yeah. So I know this character because like they do a bunch of like team up movies nowadays and like they'll have like a new actor playing like a modern version of like old villains sometimes. And like he showed up once or twice. Oh, it's like, oh, that's really fun. I'm here. But yeah. Uh, and they capture the werewolf, but then like they lose the guy's shoe. From the like corpse, but they also like find a doll and a girl's shoe, and the colonel takes it. Like, huh, this is the doll. Props for Christmas, and he just has it with him. Yeah, and then, um, oh yeah. So, well, they also talk about uh, the wolf virus, which, um, you know, as someone who's only seen *Common Rider* revise, I was like, wow, the names definitely used to be less creative for stuff. Um, wow, the wolf virus turns people into wolves. Okay. Um, yeah, and then they're like, oh, the guy just had the doll. And then it's not till way later that they realize that the doll actually is a used doll, not a new doll. I do love how none of the plot has to do anything with Christmas. Like, this whole name, like, Wolfman's Big Murder Party. It's like, okay, this is great. Like, that has nothing to do with the, like, time. Because, like, most Christmas, like, episodes now are like, oh, there's a, a, like, person dressed up like Santa, but it's really a ghost or something. You know? Yeah, like, it's always very clear in the names. Or, like, um, I mean, a lot of shows will just literally name things blah, 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 Christmas uh, Christmas special. On the Comrade Wiki, it calls the place, like, an orphanage. So it, it is an orphanage, I think. Okay. They just called it, like, okay. 40 school. Yeah, it was not clear. Oh, okay. So that's why he was like, oh, no, we have to make these kids Christmas really nice. That makes sense. Yeah, and, like, um, there's something to the way that... I think a foundational thing about Toku that like is very interesting to me is that almost all of it comes like there might be like some examples like from before World War II, but they come after World War II. And it's a genre about giant monsters and cities being destroyed in a country that is utterly destroyed and rebuilding. And I Mm. think like seeing all the like 
dirt roads and all the construction, all the orphanages in the middle of nowhere. And like, there's something to just the way that like, this is also a genre for like a country that like is rebuilding is constantly under construction and making things. And there's all this weird space, these like quarries, there's materials all around There's stuff like, Oh, like, um, these children, like kind of families, like a interesting, like, cultural like what becomes this blueprint is based on a like way the country really isn't like anymore and that like shows up in like the modern stuff and like in like weird ways too i think um gosh i guess i'm i mean i like to an extent i see what you're saying where it's like so when i was watching it it was like wow like there's all these undeveloped areas and and dirt Mm -hmm. roads and um, you know, it, it doesn't look like the Japan that I'm used to seeing on screen, but I also, um, again, I'm not as familiar in with the genre as you, so I haven't seen that full journey. Yeah. Cause like more of like Kaiju stuff too, where it's like, oh, this is a genre about destroying cities in a place full of destroyed cities and rebuilding cities, like in the sixties and like seventies, that's kind of, there's a lot going on there that like changes in the modern context. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's a reason that, um, you know, we didn't develop that genre and they did. Yeah. It's kind of interesting what, like, cultural neuroses everyone ends up with and how that affects uh, their media. Definitely. And, like, that's why I think, like, uh, there aren't really a plethora of good American kaiju movies. So I'm like, oh, you cannot get over the strength of the U.S. military being almighty enough to have a giant monster movie be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, if we if we were more like Japan, we could have more Pacific Rims. But instead, we have Operation Christmas. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And so at the orphanage, like during Christmas and the girl is like upset because nobody believes her about stuff. But also, I like how nobody questions. Why are you at the train station at night with your doll and you came home without a shoe? Yeah, that's right. Because at the beginning, I assumed she was there with one of the one of the drunk guys. But then you're right. She wasn't. So what the hell was she doing there? I'm guessing the station was just like nearby. So she was like, I'm just going to hang out and like play with my doll. But like if there's one thing you'd almost like expect her to get in trouble for not having a shoe at the orphanage. Like, hey, where's your shoe? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just have too many kids and. They're like, ah, you know, kids always lose. Maybe it's just a given that kids lose shoes there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. They're a pretty well-funded orphanage, I guess, which is odd. But I guess that's just like a thing in Japan. Oh, it looks like a nice orphanage. Yeah. As, yeah, I mean, you know, no one wants to go to an orphanage. But if you got to go, that looked like a nice one. Like they were, it looked like uh, they were well-staffed. Like everyone seemed like they got along really well. Professional, like well-appointed. Yeah. and like. um they have these random dudes helping out too. Cause like, I think they're all just like mm-hmm. visiting for Christmas or something, or maybe they're like there more often, but I'm not sure. But so I got the vibe that they like lived in the town and knew the people who ran it or worked there. Is that wrong or correct? I or? think that makes sense. It's probably like, they're the two love interests that work at the orphanage, but it's like this old, very episodic show so they're like love interests in the fact that like they show up and sometimes they're in peril you know 
Oh, okay. That makes sense. And um, she like has a fever from fear and no one believes her, but like the wolf man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, is, is that a thing? Like, is there anyone in the world who's ever been so scared they got a fever? Like what? I mean, <laughs> I think sometimes you're just like 22 and in charge of 40 kids. And you're like, all right, sure. It's not a high fever. So you have a fever from fear and there's no doctor I can get today. <laughs> Just like you were uh, scared. That's why you're sick. Yeah, you're scared. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I didn't really make it that far through pre-med, but I'm pretty sure that children get fevers when they're scared. So. Yeah. It's like, how <laughs> back in like olden times, like you have people be like, yeah, I got pregnant because there was a goose and it was definitely Zeus. I was like, okay, sure. You're faithful to your husband. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of fun. I was talking to someone about that recently where it's like, you know, all the legends and myths were created to explain some sort of phenomenon. Like, um, so I went to Guatemala uh, a long time ago. Um, and I remember I was talking to someone there. And they lived in this village, and there's only way out of the village, and it's a bridge that goes over a river. Uh, only one way in or out. And she was telling me about a legend in their town, and it's called El Sombrerón, and he's a teeny tiny little guy with a big old hat. And <laughs> he, um, I've only heard this one version of the story. It's like La Llorona, so it's it's going to vary regionally. Mm-hmm. But in this version, uh, El Sombrerón, he appears under the bridge exactly on exactly at noon for a minute and exactly at midnight for a minute. And if you walk over the bridge when El Sombrerón is underneath, he might make you disappear. Um, And when you kind of think about the purpose that that serves, it's like there's a lot. So this is a country where at the time, I don't know if this is still true, but when I was there, the government was still uh, disappearing dissidents. And not only that, there was a... um, and this this also might still be true. I'm not sure. Um, there was a really high rate of femicide, oh. um, just random violence against women, like murder and and kidnapping. And so, like people would disappear for that reason too. And like for reasons like that, you know, like that's perhaps what this particular legend was created to explain. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that does also kind of. The stories of like Sherlock Holmes showing up and like, oh, I found the Hound of the Baskerville and it's all set. That doesn't really help people who like mm-hmm. get killed by like falling rocks later because that's what that myth was for, huh? That's that's a funny little thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, well, there's also like funny ones that teach lessons, like another one from that same village, actually, um, which we talked about while going over that bridge was um, so they had their own version of La Llorona. In this village. And I have never heard anything like this. And I live in a part of the United States where there are like regional La Llorona stories um, because we're close to Mexico, uh, where I think that comes from. But in in this version, in this small village in Guatemala, or actually pretty big for a village in this uh, in this town in Guatemala, I should maybe say um, small town. um, There's a a woman and she uh, uh, she's got a beautiful body. Um, nice figure and long, long hair. And she combs her hair every night with a silver comb and she lives above the river and she's La Llorona. And 
the young men, they like to go look at her because she's very beautiful. But everyone's like, don't don't talk to her. It's La Llorona. And there's this one guy and he's like, I'm going to seduce La Llorona. So he goes over and he finds her and he's like, hey, babe. And she turns her head and she's got a horse head. And I think he falls off the bridge and dies or something because <laughs> he's so scared. I love that. And I guess that's supposed to teach you not to uh, get too big for your britches as, you know, as far as the kind of, you know, the woman you're going to go after. I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to mean, but I thought it was funny. That also teaches you that um, we were always making memes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure an anthropologist could have a field day with that one. I love the story of... um, in New Guinea, they have like the character, like the Phantom from comics, on a bunch of their like shields, and like has become like a cultural icon in like that area because like a bunch of GIs of World War Two just like left comics there. Like, oh, this is like a figure of like power and like the superhero. So just like you'll see these like painted traditional like shields that just like have the Phantom on it. <laughs> this like character, That's awesome. yeah, right. Our culture is cool. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Humans are weird. I love us. And uh, so, uh, the story continues though, because Hayato agrees to investigate the spot where the girl saw this wolf man. Because he's like, "All right, I'm this kind of attracts." Honestly, I'm like fighting various like animal <laughs> cyborgs. This isn't that weird. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Fair enough. At the same time, the colonel's like looking at the doll in the shoe. He's like, oh, this doll's used in this shoe from this orphanage. And like sends a bunch of people there. And like while they're being sent there is like when the, the like two dudes are like investigating the crime scene. They're like accosted by this cop who is then like revealed to be the colonel. It's like he walks behind like a pillar. He's like, ha ha, common rider. You think you know me, <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good moment. Yeah, um, and then the um, they're called like combat man, like the like foot soldiers, I guess, and, and they like oh, the like ninja type guys. Yeah. Okay. I'm used to them like having more of like a black and white design, so I'm not sure like if that's just like the classic and this is like the before that or after that. But they come in and they just like are gonna find like Kumi and like take her, but also. If people saw you, you kind of just have to get the whole orphanage. Like, you are, like, the Nazi Illuminati. Like, if you can't be seen at all, I'm surprised you aren't just, like, going whole sale, you know? I guess they don't have to, because it's like, if a bunch of kids are, like, ninjas broken, they're just gonna, people are gonna be like, okay, sure. Let's find out what really happened. I guess, like, knowing it's an orphanage and not a boarding school means it's easier to disappear one kid and be like ninjas huh sure (laughs) i hadn't thought about that angle (laughs) oh geez uh well hopefully not in japan um it seems like uh i mean this orphanage seems very well funded i don't know if that's because they wanted to make it look nicer uh in in a fiction show or if uh or if social services really are a bit better funded in japan but i'm gonna actually lean towards the latter And they kidnapped the wrong kid, but this kid seems to be like, so I guess that the teacher, the orphanage 
director was like, okay, this kid's ready to fight. <laughs> so Goro can go and get, and get kidnapped. So who the fuck is Goro? They're like, ah, Goro. And everyone like cheers. And it's like, who? Do we know him? Is he from something? I'm assuming he's like the kid sidekick when they like are doing stuff. And he's like around more often than the other kids. Probably he's like the named kid when it's not their episode. Okay. And yeah. Um, yeah. Then the two dudes show up and they're like fighting all the stuff and like uh, just very good. Like let's fight by punching and only one of us will like fight at once and stuff. But I like seeing like yeah. um, the way that like I'm writers like it's at night. It's like this like they're half on like a fire escape. It's like a very good like use of seed too. Or it's not just like one fight like straight up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked the fights. I, I actually, so something that I thought was interesting while I was watching them, though, is they, um, this part particularly, but also a few of the other parts, really reminded me of frog um, which is a, um, I, I pulled up their IMDb page because it's been a while since I saw it, but it w- it came out in 2004, and um, it had an extremely low budget and um oh, i'm looking at this yeah it's a movie oh you've seen it uh no i'm just like on the page now i'm like oh this is extremely low budget yes yeah so if frog Gaga is um a movie where the villain is an irresponsible uh chemical or an irresponsible business dumping chemicals into a small town's water supply and the hero is a lesbian ecologist and um the company unwittingly creates. Oh, um, like two separate words. Rape. Sorry. <laughs> I thought that was one word. Like, oh, that's a weird profession. But sure, it's a movie. Oh, <laughs> she's no, not not an ecologist who studies lesbians, but um, an ecologist who is a lesbian. But um, because the company is irresponsibly dumping chemicals into the waterway, they managed to accidentally create a human sized rapist frog. OK. Um, that is the frog gug. Um, and it's just a person in a morph suit with ping pong ping pong balls for for eyes. Um, and <laughs> like the way it's filmed, in like the frenetic way that the scenes are, and and actually, yeah, the fact that it does switch into first person. Um, and also to some extent, the design of the suit all reminded me of. This sh- I mean, this this show reminded me of all of that. I do have to say that the fifth build person in this movie is the actor James Duvall, but he's credited as, as Freb. As far as I can tell, it's not Fred, it's Freb. And that's a really <laughs> that's really great. That's a good name. I didn't notice that. That's that's amazing. Have you seen that old um it's like a screenshot of some Japanese game and they uh, we're coming up with names for American baseball players, yes. but I, you know, obviously they couldn't Google it, so they were like Slur Rodriguez. Yes, um, I know <laughs> what you're talking about. It's like all stuff like Sleeve McDykel, Anson Sweeney, <laughs> Daryl Archerdield, Ray Mischief, Tony Schmidt, Bobson Dugnett, Willie Justice, <laughs> Jerome Grid. Yeah, it's like all stuff like. Mike Truck with no C, Dwight with no H, <laughs> Portugal. It's like all names like that. <laughs> yeah. Here's where the episode just like 
blurs into this is what common writers do and it's they they are able to like uh pick up in the FBI sends them a coded message they were able to intercept for, um from Shocker saying that a high ranking official is going to show up so they go and they fight the helicopter and the like car full of people mm-hmm. and what a great <laughs> just i love everything about that just like here's this visiting nazi and let's go fight his like <laughs> whole thing here but yeah no the this this scene was incredible um we also noted that uh this common writer is suspiciously good at landing on his feet which uh made us think that perhaps he was involved in operation cat or something hmm. well they are grasshoppers mm. so they're meant to jump this might not oh, have been a thing that makes sense okay yeah. there we and then go. of course uh, things clarify about what shocker is because they're just the KKK. Well, I think the the best part is when you you zoom in and you're like, wait, is that you're like that's an eagle? But is that like the is that like the Wehrmacht eagle? And then you're and then it pans down and it's a bunch of people in KKK costumes and you're like, okay, so it was. And then they take off their KKK costumes to reveal Nazi costumes and you're like, how deep does this go? It's like that South Park episode. <laughs> <laughs> to bring back old South Park from the 90s, but there's an episode where Carbon <laughs> tries to come to school dressed as Hitler, so then the principal gives him a ghost costume, but it has a pointy head. And, you know, South Park isn't a great show, but it comes back here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if they take off the Nazi uniforms, do they have, like, uh, do they also have, like, a- offensive and racist tattoos underneath that they can then peel off to reveal like literal swastikas. Like I think we get it. Like they're evil. So I'm going to share with you. I'm not going to spoil this, but uh, the, a couple common writer shows from now they have uh, their cyborgs. They make are based off of, um, fuck, how do I even say this? Um, they're based off of like historical figures and like, um, <laughs> animal so it's stuff like so ant capone. I, I think what you're about to tell me is they have a hitler cyborg is that what okay you're i'm sending you a picture of starfish hitler <laughs> what yes what? okay so um well i guess I, I mean your audience knows much more about this than i do but just in case um it looks like uh a guy in like a starfish costume, but the starfish has a swastika on the chest in Hitler's face. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, right. That's a lot compared to like other ones. Like, yeah, here's my favorite of the bunch, which is up. Uh, this is a good design. This is like great. Uh, this character is called Aunt Capone. Oh my god. Um okay, so this is like basically uh you know those like muscle costumes they make for children. So picture an adult man in one of those, but it's blue. Um he has a crazy looking ant head with like I think what's supposed to be a fedora <laughs> and a vest that just has like the geography of it just has a map of um, the Great Lakes on it, and it says Chicago in big red lights. I did not even realize the Great Lakes were on that. I thought I thought that was like some weird. That's the camo. Great Lakes, right? You're right. 
Oh no, that's the Great Lakes. I thought for that was sure. weird camo, but you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's like that's like just the fun thing about like seeing culture, your culture, in other people's culture where they don't have the same meaning. So they're like, oh yeah, Hitler and I, Hitler and Capone are both fun to mix with monsters, <laughs> like animals for a fun monster, right? Like I guess I mean, I mean Capone, yes, Hitler, a little tasteless. The other ones are stuff like, oh, there's like uh, this um, spider Napoleon. That makes more sense than Hitler. But, uh, and, I mean, Aunt Capone is complete nonsense. Honestly, I would, if I could get like an Aunt Capone vest, I would wear the shit out of that. Just like the Great Lakes of Chicago on it. Like that would be drip right It's there. really great. My, actually, let me know if you can find one because my brother-in-law is from Chicago. So, you know. Christmas uh, 2020, whenever we can get our hands on one of these. Yeah, that might be merch <laughs> soon. Uh, and yeah. I mean, they can't really copyright claim it because it's just the Great Lakes with Chicago in really big letters over it. <laughs> and they have like such a like, oh, yeah, like the Great Lakes and Chicago are close, so they must be related. That's like exactly the kind of shit that we do of Japanese culture all the time. It's like, ah. Uh, Here's the kanji for yeah. Mount Fuji. I mean, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like it's like a, a really it's like um um oh god. Um what's the 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 Miyazaki movie where she's she's a witch, but not a very good one? Kiki's delivery service. We're like Kiki's delivery service, it's like it's so well researched, like the town is like an amalgamation of different parts of Europe. This is like the really lazy version of that. <laughs> So I happened to, it's amazing. to fall down a like quick tumber hole. And I guess the word for ant and owl are like super close. And like how you pronounce it in Japanese is basically Al Capone, but like slightly different like intonation. Oh. And that's fun. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I didn't I didn't realize. That's that's cool actually then. Uh what about Hitler and Starfish though? I I don't think it's like yeah, the word Hitler is very much Close to starfish, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But and there's this whole plot going on though, because like Shocker tries to fake them out and be like, "Ha, oh, we've captured your carbon rider," and then it's actually his friend Taki with the eyebrows, and he's like, he gets away, and then they meet in the hallway, and they're just like, "Yes, so I've planted all the bombs. We're good," and then they just leave. Hmm. You know, I didn't notice the eyebrows, but um, I also live in the greater L.A. area where we are all still using, um, you know, we're, we're using uh, very large uh, paintbrushes to paint our eyebrows on still. I know people in the rest of the country have moved on, but we're still doing it over here. Yeah, uh, like I do love seeing the way that like people dress in <laughs> like in different times and like places. And like, I love how like all of the dudes in the seventies just have that same look of like the like jeans or corduroys, and then like the shirt, like the cowboy shirt. Pretty great. Mm. You know, I I actually didn't. I I thought they were just wearing the cowboy shirt, you know, to show that it was like an action movie. Maybe. Um. I didn't. I didn't even realize. It was just the fashion, I guess. Like, uh. Yeah, comrade fashion goes really hard sometimes, but just that's a whole nother thing that will like go off. But so then like they've bombed the Nazis 
and they're about to leave. And then Colonel Zol's like, I'm going to fight you now. And he turns into a like white wolf monster and is like, ah, let's duel. Yeah, one of uh, when this happened, my my friend said, "As a wolf man, I can shoot missiles from my nipples because that's what he does." Yeah. Um, this this white wolf guy. Because they just need to like get in the fun like explosions. So it's like ah, random powers. <laughs> They're just like don't don't worry about where the missiles are coming from. They're just coming all of a sudden now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, and then Common Rider has has a very cool costume, kind of like a luchador. He is like a grasshopper dude. Um, oh yeah, this is when the really floppy cliff fall with the rapid cut to a big explosion happens. I love that. I love how they're. Consistently great. across time in Cup Rider, they do not give a shit out about like they love to like mess these suits up. They're always just like, Yeah, let's go. And they just like they're constantly like in the mud or like nowadays most of the time it's like a bunch of like I've often said that the plot of a lot of Carbon Rider is like two sad twinks punching each other in a river. <laughs> and like that is a lot of what happens to these shows. Shit, that's real accurate. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, let's like blow up this like backup costume that we have with some hay in it or something. Let's go. Yeah. Although, well, I, I'd say like they're they're less sad this time because the whole time Common Rider is like, I get have to get back to the children at the orphanage for Christmas. So it's like he has something to look forward to. Um, and he manages, and then immediately ends. Like you don't get like the moment where. Um, they're like, yay, Christmas. And then, you know, they play Christmas music and the camera pans around the room to show everyone's smiling faces. Like he just gets there and then the whole episode's over. Yes, like episode 39. So it's not like the one where we're going to go back to how existential they are about being a cyborg. But then it's instead, no, let's just like be Santa and show up and. I love just him showing up in the orphanage on the motorcycle and be like, ah, oh, too bad Hayato's not here. He missed Cabot Rider. Yeah, that was that was funny. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I wish it had spent a little more time um, actually after he got there, but it was it was a cute episode. Yeah. And um, so Christmas is not a very important holiday in Japan. It's just... <laughs> More New Year's, but like they'll like use Christmas as an excuse for a theme, basically to be like, oh, everybody's wearing Santa outfits at this like shopping mall. And that's kind of like how much it really matters. Like, oh, like Santa, it's like a much more like, oh, yeah, like we'll have a themed week or two <laughs> at places. Yeah. Kind of like Cinco de Mayo. Sort of. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. That makes That's sense. actually the best comparison uh, I've heard for that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I did have a question. So, um, you know, I was wondering. So in Common Rider Revice, the villains costumes are unambiguously inspired by Mexican culture. And I was wondering if you think that the original Common Rider costume was, too, because it does remind me a lot of like a luchador outfit. So, um, know how Superman and Batman have those little pants over their pants? Mm -hmm. That's based off of like tumblers and acrobatics. And there's also like the connection to like the shadow and early superheroes. I think there's just like a whole stagecraft luchador like 
hackerbat like weird cultural melting pot like starting place for all superheroes that i think like is both where luchadors and like a lot of cultures kind of superheroes like come from so it's like it's probably the kind of thing where like they're two like very close branches but they also come from the same tree if that makes sense yeah um that makes sense yeah i just like even more so than like american action movies it seems um, a lot of the design seems like inspired by um, like things that you see in Mexican movies. And Japan loves wrestling. Was, uh-huh. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, I was wondering if it was something like that. Um, here is Tiger Mask, who is a, it's currently Tiger Mask 5, I think, but like two or three very famous wrestlers have been Tiger Mask previously. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's right there. <laughs> totally. Okay. Neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, OK, that makes more sense because in Revice, it like seems very weird that everyone is just wearing like snazzy mariachi costumes and being like, my name is Pedro <laughs> when they're like clearly all Japanese actors. Um, but if if uh, if that's like a big thing in Japan, that that makes a little bit more sense. And here's a recently retired wrestler named juice and thunder liger so oh wow yeah. the the revised demons look a lot like this or not not the revised demons vice specifically looks a lot like mm-hmm. this uh so yeah just japan sometimes just does stuff it's like they don't have the same conversations we have about cultural like appropriation to the same degree so they just like do stuff and like sometimes it's like fine like how like the same way that we use pentagrams in like a lot of like media, they just use like the generic crucifix. They're like, oh yeah, like this is a cult, right? And like a lot of anime from the nineties yeah. has that. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It's, uh, I mean, I don't think it's bad or anything. I just thought it was, uh, like, kind of like odd um, that they were just like see. And then, like, you know, wearing mariachi <laughs> outfits um, because I didn't expect that. No, that's something that Japan could <laughs> um, do that would be very bad if a bunch of fucking, like, American people were doing that in, like, an American show. So I get you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I guess, like, uh, I mean, I also live in a place that's, like, uh, heavily Hispanic. So people will. Um, um, well, OK, so I, I also lived in Boston for a little bit where, um, you know, if you go out on Halloween, you see usually white people dressing up. That way, but if you go here, um, you see like Mexican people doing it, and they're doing it as a joke, and you also see it a lot less. Um, so I I don't know. Like there's there's like a lot to be said for like you know um, cultural exports, and I think that is really kind of what's happening here. I was just kind of wondering like in in what way because it's like um, you know even though I'm sure if we looked we could see a lot of stuff in American culture that's inspired by luchadors. And that makes sense because it's like we're yeah. connected to each other as countries. But I was surprised to see it in, in Japanese media. There's something very interesting about that relationship between Japan and like Mexico, too, because I know there's like a very special relationship. Like there's definitely some like I don't know if it's just their place economically or some cultural sharing or just like the way some like stories have taken. But like I've definitely heard a lot of interesting stuff about like, oh, like there are more connections than you'd think given the geography. Yeah, I I was, I remember, um, I want to say it was the New York times. They put out like a short documentary about 
people who are really into Chicano culture who live in Tokyo, like people who are from Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, so like basically they go talk to all these people. They're just like showing off their like low riders and like, yeah. um, Yeah. They're like really, really, really into like LA area Chicano culture, which um, it's just like not what you would, expect yeah Yeah, no um definitely (laughs) i think there's something between those cultures where that's okay in a way that's like totally like as a white dude i'm like oh but i guess you could that is part of your relationship you know and like it's very funny like i'm looking at like a like um a like bunch pictures now i'm like oh this is kind of cool and weird but it feels authentic in a way you know Mm mm-hmm Yeah, it's just, like, you wonder how they, like, how did those people get obsessed with, like, Chicano culture in L.A.? Like, they're so far away. The two things I know connect Japan and Mexico are car culture and wrestling. I'm sure there's other things. Like, I'm sure it's just, like, so many other ones that, like, I don't even know if that's just, like, two parts of that, like, whole thing, you know? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a... I kind of want to find somebody that can speak to that now and be like, hey, what's this about? Yeah. Like, like, oh, well. I mean, that is super curious. Um, if you are an expert on Japanese and Chicano culture, please contact. <laughs> please comment, contact the hosts of Come and Ride with me. And like, why should be something like, oh, like <laughs> traditionally the way that like flour is exported. It's like, oh, OK, that's cool. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could always be something like that. Like, I love when you kind of stumble upon something weird like that. Like, I went to Boulder, Colorado, and there's this gorgeous tea house there, like stunning, beautiful tea house. And it's part of their like cultural exchange with some country in, I want to say Central Asia, which I could remember which. If it's Turkey, I'm going to be so embarrassed because that's not quite Central Asia, but mm-hmm. Dushanbe Tea House. Where's Dushanbe? Oh, Tajikistan. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, there's like this Tajik style beautiful tea house in the middle of Boulder, Colorado, because they have like some cultural exchange for some reason that I can't now remember, but I thought that was wild. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Tajikistan's a really interesting country. Yeah. They're like, um, they have like a, they have like what seems like a, a super oppressive government, but they're like oppressively secular. <laughs> they are forcing like, okay, so, um, so I, I want to say Tajikistan is majority Muslim, um, but mostly Ismaili. I hope that's accurate. Um, I believe that's the case. And Ismailis are not like super duper religious typically um not all like so so my partner's family is a smiley so i know mm-hmm. some stuff about this um and i'm speaking from what i do know so if i'm wrong please forgive me but um like uh they typically don't wear like the hijab but um they can if they if they want to um and i guess like the cool hijab in this in Central Asia is like the Saudi Arabian Saudi Arabian style one that covers like your your it goes like in the front and it covers your neck, and um, the government of Tajikistan like won't let you wear that like you have to wear the traditional Tajik 
style hair covering if you want to wear a hair covering and it ties under your hair in the back and like you can get fined for wearing the Saudi Arabian style one because it's not like their traditional cultural style. Like they're just extremely uh, intense about like mandating that people adhere to like Tajikistan's traditions, which is very strange. Um, You know, because there's like lots of there's lots of overreaching governments in those places, but they're not usually overreaching in like a secular way. Oh, okay. Um, I have checked out um a little bit on Japan and Mexico relationships. It's it's basically there was like a unique relationship between like Mexico, Spain, and Japan as like a trade partners pre like the 20th century, but then like one big modern thing that I saw was basically that um the first treaty that was deemed to be equitable by Japan post post World War II was the one they were offered by Mexico. And wow. The, and basically like their big thing is that like their to this day their offices are right next to that of the official residence of the prime minister. So there's like physically That's close. Crazy. That's really cool. <laughs> I didn't know that they had like such warm feelings for one another. Yeah, and like their stuff like, oh yeah, like um Toshiro like Mifuni like started like a Mexican film was like yeah, like I like learned I like copied an actor reading these lines in Spanish to recite them perfectly because I care so much about like the beauty of Spain and like the great tradition. And it's like, okay, cool. I mean the Spanish language really is gorgeous. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think it's such a beautiful language. Like I don't know, like reading stuff in Spanish is I mean, I've I've always been like functionally illiterate in in Spanish. I can speak it okay. I can say what I need to, but um it's just like so, so beautiful to like the way that people can write in it. I wish that I I just do not have the right processing. I'm uniquely bad at learning uh new languages compared to other people I found. And it's just like I really would love nothing more just to know. Like, if I could know as many languages as possible, like, read and listen to stuff, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to actually enjoy this in the original Italian or German or something. That would be so cool. Yeah, that's the, the most. Yeah. Let's have Star Trek real quick so I can do that, you know? Um, as, as, with the, as with the Chicago vest, please let me know when you figure that out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd like to be notified. <laughs> One cool vest in the Tower of Babel. All the languages in the world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the Tower of Babel. That's a good that's a good biblical story. I uh since since my partner is Muslim, I get to um fill him in on all the biblical stories because I'm used to just referencing things uh and people knowing what I'm saying or at least mm. not telling me that they don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, so I'll be like, ah, it's the Tower of Babel all over again. And he's like, literally, what are you talking about? <laughs> like the fish? Like the like commercial? <laughs> no, no, you see? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like, oh, a, a, a Judas. And he's like, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm like, I've been betrayed. And he's like, okay, who? what's what's a Judas, though? Like, oh, it's like a Benedict Arnold. Fair enough. Uh, it's like a, you know. <laughs> But now, um, <laughs> we had a little bit of uh, some long, late talks, but my question to you, Brett, is uh, 
Who are your favorite characters this time around? Um, that is really hard to say, actually, because I feel like we <laughs> didn't true. really get an introduction to anybody. Um, so I said, uh, fuck it, Kamiko and the guys who had to pee and were drunk. Okay. I do like the pee man. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm say Goro because he's just a kid who's down for anything. He's like, yeah, I'll fight Nazis. I'll get kidnapped and fight Nazis. This is great. Uh, <laughs> I like the Colonel because he's just evil Colonel with an eye patch, and sometimes that's all you need uh, when you just like really like go for it. Uh, yeah, good character design. And the P Mans. That's three. Uh, what was your favorite design or effect that you saw? Um, you know, I, I loved everything in the helicopter fight and I loved this common rider costume, the grasshopper style costume. Uh, like I said, reminded me of a luchador. Uh, I thought it looked great. What, what about you? I think I definitely liked the, um, halfway wolf with the like purple face paint and the like weird fangs. That's my <laughs> mind. That was, that was great. And what outfit was your favorite? Like what? Who had the best trip of us today? Um, I thought the teacher had some cute outfits. Uh, not like anything that kind of specifically stood out, but everything she's wearing is is pretty currently fashionable, and she looked great in it. That's fair. Oh, uh, I'll say. Um, I was gonna say the colonel, but he is just a Nazi at eye patch. That's a different that I mean with the drip thing. Uh, just... I mean, he does have serious villain drip. Yeah, like that is a little less explicit and that's like the 90s but <laughs> I would say um, I like uh, the old mentor of his tweed jackets and his pipe just like hanging out in the background like oh the FBI sure oh, certainly yeah yeah I was a, a little surprised when they were like yes we must call the FBI and I was like why would you be calling the FBI because they're friends because we're cool we're James Bond now yeah. Oh, I there was something I wanted to talk about before we sign out. Um, so for me, um, with the limited amount of TV and movies I've seen, um, this reminded me the most of a Tarantino movie, uh, way more than anything else I've ever seen. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So Tarantino is definitely he and the Wachowskis and like some other people. You definitely get the sense of like, oh, they were weird VHS nerds <laughs> and they just like found stuff yeah. and do it. And um, it's probably because like a lot of the Japanese cinema that he likes, like stuff like Kurosawa and the like is also what is the like current um, in the zeitgeist of like, even in Japanese like TV, because also like their sensors weren't very good. So there's like, let's just do what like these movies for adults are doing, but for kids. <laughs> That seems like fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was, it was really interesting how the style kind of progressed so much from like this, which I, I, I mean, I guess I, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know, like uh, this sort of style that maybe someone who isn't as familiar with tokusatsu might be familiar with through Tarantino movies to like basically a video game on screen. I think, um, it also helps that like um, a lot of action in modern action movies is kind of bad. So sometimes you just see something that does like some slight choreography. You're like, oh, 
there's craft here. Mm. Not that there's not a ton of people working very hard and having their work super majorly belittled or not cared for, but you know. Well, it's also like the 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 music and like the way I I don't know like some of the effects like particularly like the the jump cuts and well I guess jump cuts in in two senses in that they're jump cuts of people jumping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing the ways that people make their effects work. And I also think that um, just great music. Yeah. But Brett. Yeah. No, it really was. uh, Mm -hmm. You mentioned your podcast, but uh, just one more time, where people find you when you're not talking about Tsukusatsu. Absolutely. So we took a long, strange journey, but uh, my podcast is called Beyond Buds. It is available wherever podcasts are found. And in it is a show where I speak to experts all across the cannabis industry, everyone from scientists to activists, and uh, learn from them, talk about it in a way that you know, people who are new to cannabis and people who have been interested in a long time. It, excuse me, it's so late here. People who have been interested in it for a long time, I can talk, um, would enjoy. Everyone would enjoy it. Um, it's fun. I'm so sorry. I'm sleepy, but it's great. You should check it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you can find uh, me on Twitter.com at James Forge, but more importantly, you can find Common Rock Me on Twitter.com at Common Rock Me. Or Instagram, come with me. There's commentary.com for all of our episodes and articles. There's commentary.com slash episodes for links directly out to different platforms. If that's easier for you, I guess. But, uh, and there's um, <laughs> commentary.com slash merch for links to all of our merch. And our merch um, is all proceeds going to charity. So tough, like transparent, tough, like the, like, um, Trev project we don't take that that just goes like right there uh nice oh um i have a twitter as well um it is twitter.com slash canabret that's c-a-n-n-a-b-r-e-t just one t that's c-a-n-n-a-b-r-e-t and if you have any weird anthropology send that there yes yeah so i guess uh this uh will actually be going up. I think this is Christmas Day or the twenty third. But oh my god! Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas! Ho ho ho! Yeah, is there anything that uh any lessons or importance that we want to leave them with, or just the ho ho ho? Uh, I have a Christmas tip. Um, start your Christmas shot. Oh, so whenever you see something that reminds you of a person and seems like a nice gift for them. Just just buy it and wrap it and put it wherever you can put presents throughout the year so that when Christmas rolls around, you're not like, oh, no, I have to shop for everyone because it's way easier to do this stuff, uh, you know, kind of slowly throughout the year. And metal presents are very good for, like, keeping and not being, like, hurt and, like, storage. And also, if that whole, that friendship should sour, they're very very simple to make into bullets so there you go Mm, yeah wait do you have like one of those bullet presses you know what yes i am constantly making my own like small batch bullets 
oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm a. Neat. I was I was just talking to someone else um, who who does that a couple of weeks ago, and I I didn't know that that was like, uh, I I I didn't even realize that was like a thing at all. But that's cool. I've done that. Is there like a community for that? So I don't actually, but I have baited my own bullets before, like at like a like uncle's situation. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's a fun process. I just was personally like, huh? I don't see a need for my own bullets. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I, sometimes I'm like, I should own a gun because I live in America, and it's one of the things that we can do that some people in some other countries can't. But then I'm like, eh, then I'd have to like apply for it, and I'd have to like figure out which one I even like, and like I don't even go to the shooting range that much. I'd rather just go with my friends who already own guns and borrow theirs for the amount of time I would spend doing it. At some point, I'm going to do that thing where you, like, go to a junkyard and get some, like, random steel from a car and make your own sword. That I might do. Oh. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just have box cutters. I'm like, this is something I'm used to and comfortable with, and I'm not going to accidentally shoot myself with a box cutter. I hope you don't, like, accidentally sword yourself. That would be bad. I'm pretty comfortable with a box cutter. I think it's unlikely. But, um, I don't know. Swords are... I I bet you, I mean, you know, you just gotta get comfortable with your sword. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get comfortable with your sword, listeners. Okay, that sounded... That didn't sound great. Okay. Uh, Just... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very comfortable. But no, uh... (laughs) Thank you, Brett. Thank you.